So Jesus and his disciples have finally made it to Jerusalem, and they made it for Passover. Passover being what's known as a pilgrimage festival. So it's a time that if and when you are able, you would make your way down to Jerusalem. So the city itself would swell to maybe 350-ish thousand of your closest friends and family. So it'd be packed. And before this point, in fact, about a week before, Jesus and his disciples had crossed over the Mount of Olives, and Jesus saw the holy city kind of laid out there with the temple really for the last time. And it's a big moment, and people are singing songs, and they're celebrating well, they're celebrating Passover. They're also, some were celebrating Jesus. And then Jesus, of course, goes and picks a fight at the temple. Um, that's like the first thing he does. And it ends up being, as it turns out, a very uh, dramatic, prophetic denunciation of the temple. Um, and then for really the rest of the week, um, Jesus is teaching and preaching in the temple complex. And he's making some enemies, especially over or among the highest-ranking priests in the temple. Um, but anyway, they're here to celebrate Passover. Uh, and Passover is when they would gather, uh, Jesus and uh, his fellow Jewish people, to remember that they were slaves in Egypt, and God, through his prophet Moses, rescued them from that slavery. And leading up to this moment, if you haven't gotten that impression, it's a lot of highs and lows, like a lot of singing, singing and being excited, and then also Jesus irritating exactly the wrong people. And so, I would imagine tensions were a little high. Now, if you notice during this reading, uh, there's a moment when Jesus says, I have really desired, earnestly desired to eat this meal with you. There's this moment of like, like he gets to take a breath, a little pause, and eat a very sacred meal with his disciples, a meal that they've probably eaten before, that Jesus has given at least hints here and there, that what he is about to uh, do is a second exodus. The, the stakes, however, this time probably seem a little higher. Now, as I've said before in the, the weeks leading up to uh, this moment, his disciples don't really get what's going to happen. Uh, he's told them a couple of times um, there was, of course, that moment when uh, uh, he says it, and then Peter like, says, no, of course, forbid it, Lord, and then Jesus calls him the Satan, and so he probably learned not to bring that up. Um, but I don't know that they really get it, and, and I, don't, I, I think it's a little while, at least until after Jesus is raised from the dead, that they start to put some of that together. So on the one hand, Jesus is sitting there and gets to eat this final meal with his disciples. But on the other hand, also, he knows what's coming. And in a very weird twist, and just do with this what you will, 
I get the impression that the only two people that know what's really about to happen are Jesus and Judas, the one who betrayed him. There's a little, maybe a little tension, I don't know. And so, imagine that you were a disciple sitting in this room. Passover is a big moment. You are, uh, you're, you're, again, commemorating the most important moment of God interacting with you and your people. And it's somber and it's sacred. It's, it's, it's just a big deal. Uh, we don't know exactly what, um, what the order of service would have looked like. Uh, that comes from a, a something called the Agadah and we, we, we don't know what the Agadah looked like from uh, the first century. We, we get like a, a, a very rough outline. But even in, in the very rough outline that we get, you, know, you uh, will, of course, have the Passover lamb. You would have the Cheruset and, and some other things uh, that you would eat, and they all have their symbol. Um, you still do in the first century. You consume four glasses of wine uh, throughout the course of the evening. And having done a like full-on Seder meal once, like the long version, I can tell you right now that that is not as fun as it sounds. Um, and actually yesterday, for I had never seen this until yesterday, in a little uh, kind of obscure uh, Jewish writing, they have instructions on what happens if you fall asleep, um, probably from the length, but also the wine. Um, and so you're sitting there kind of going through this, and you're with Jesus. You love Jesus. You've traveled with Jesus for three years. He knows everything about you. Uh, you've seen some crazy things, like crazy things you, some of you will write down and people still won't believe them 2,000 years later. Crazy. You know who he is. You know that he's Messiah, the one that you and your people have been waiting for for countless generations. And you love him. He loves you. And he has told you that he's been looking forward to this moment for a very long time. Now Luke adds a couple of details first, but then the order um, follows the, the other gospel accounts. So as you're sitting there and you're going through, and you, according to Luke anyway, you've, you've, you've already had one glass of, of wine at least, and um, at some point Jesus picks up bread. And he's probably done this a thousand times for evening meals and such. And he takes it and he gives thanks. He says a blessing. But in Jewish prayer and Jewish blessing, you don't bless the thing. You bless God who gives you those things. So imagine you are a disciple with Jesus, and like he always has, he picks up bread and he prays. Blessed are you, O Lord, our God, King of eternity who causes bread to come forth from the ground. And then he hands it. And he says, take and eat. This is my body broken for you. 
And at that moment, it's, whew, what, record scratch, freeze frame, hold up. <laughs> what do you mean? Are we on this again? You're Messiah. Messiah is forever. The Messiah doesn't die. Maybe elbow your friend next to you. Jesus is being weird again. What's going on? And in any case, he takes a cup. He holds it up. Baruch atarunai lehenu melech haolam. Bore puri hagafen. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of eternity. Uh, the one who creates the fruit of the vine. Take and drink. This is my blood shed for you. This is the blood of the new covenant. You've been waiting for this moment for a long time. And again, it's like, slow down. What are you talking about, Jesus? You... You're not going to die. You're the son of the Holy One. And then you continue throughout the meal. And, and at some point, Jesus says that somebody's going to betray him. And Peter, of course, is like, well, it's not going to be me. And Jesus then says, no, but you're going to deny that you even know me. Uh, actually, you're going to do it three times. And then Judas leaves for whatever reason, and I, you weren't really sure what that was all about. And then Jesus takes you to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And uh, while he is praying in the garden, um, his disciples keep falling asleep. Now, up until this moment, we're going to stop here, the betrayal and all of that. That, that comes tomorrow. Um, his disciples falling asleep like that makes all the sense in the world to me. Have you ever been kind of at a point where you, you just, just emotionally you're done? Like you have nothing left, like you don't want to feel anything. And if somebody even tells you a joke, you're probably going to fall apart. Like just that moment of exhaustion. Like me personally, I love, love stand-up comedy. I think stand-up comedians are the best communicators in the world. And, and I just, I, I love them to death. Um, but I, I know I'm at that point when, you know, it's the evening, uh, my son has gone to bed, my wife has gone to bed. And I think to myself, you know what, I just can't even handle comedy right now. I don't want to laugh. I don't want to feel anything. I'm just tired. I kind of wonder if that's where his disciples are right now. Like, they've been put through the ringer over the last week, and it was, it was a very full evening. Because whatever else was going on, when Jesus gave them that bread and that wine, it was different. Something Thing was beyond normal. Now, it was quite a long time before 
the, uh, the disciples really put together everything that, went, that, that happened at that point. You can see it working out in the rest of the New Testament, but it was a while. But eventually they would start to realize that Jesus wasn't just giving them bread and wine. He, he was giving them himself in such a way that when they received Jesus, the sins that would normally separate them from God were forgiven. That they would find themselves receiving the very grace of the all-creator. That in some weird way, like this is an exodus, but in this case, Jesus was saving me from myself. And his disciples came to realize that Jesus was also giving them like a sanctuary, a sacred space where they could be with him again. Like when Jesus said, this is my body, he means it, this is my blood, it's, it's not really a metaphor. And so his disciples would then take that sacred space, that space where they could be with Jesus again and receive him again and again. And from there, they would absolutely change the course of human history. 2,000 years later, there are a lot of people who claim the name of Jesus and are gathering tonight for that very reason. And that's what we remember tonight. When Jesus sits down with his disciples and gave them this sanctuary in space and time that they could be with him again. And we can too, which is what we will be doing in a few minutes. I invite you to rise as you are able.